genre has literally been around since the beginning of filmmaking. Since filmmaking was an art form, we have been interested in robbers, elaborate burglaries, their motives, and the story behind them. You mean there's going to be two other guys in on the deal, and we ain't going to know who they are? That's right. You know who they are, and they don't know who you are. That makes sense to you, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, I guess so, but it makes sense to me, all right. And I mean the beginning, with the great train robbery by Edwin S. Porter being released to a mass audience in 1903. This was quite literally one of the first narrative short films, shifting the medium from novelty to plot-based films. Edwin S. Porter used the Great Train Robbery to show off the Edison Manufacturing Company's new techniques, such as the zoom, close-ups, and most famously, the final shot, where the leader of the train robbery gang points his pistol directly at the camera and unloads it. It set up what would become the standard once heist movies started being a thing, making the story into a procedural, from robbery to escape to capture. The first official heist movie as such was The Asphalt Jungle in 1950. Starring Sterling Hayden, Sam Jaffe, and Lewis Calhern. Debuted in 1950, directed by John Huston. Everything's here. The soft spot's an old steam tunnel. Manhole's on the corner. You drop into the manhole at 11.45. They call you. You break through the wall. It'll take about six minutes to get into Belletier's from the furnace home. The brutal, gritty noir film shows a jewel robbery that takes place in a small Midwestern city and the fallout after the robbery is done. What do you say, Dix? He's got no say. He makes a crooked move. He'll never pitch another fork full of manure. He's got us, Doc. Toss him the bag. You're not as dumb as you look. The elements of the robbery, from the forming of a team of skilled criminals, to the elaborate planning, to the shooting of the film from the perspective of the criminals, as well as to giving each member of the team understandable and realistic, even sympathetic reasons for wanting the money, they want to pay off debts, to buy back property they lost, they aren't just seasoned criminals, and of course, 
Just a job that was supposed to be easy and quick instantly faces multiple complications, leading to violence, double-crossing, and suspense. Don't bone me! Now, look, I'm not boning Did I ever welch? Nobody said you did. You just boned me. Look, Dix, I I'm only... not asking you any favors. I'll go get you your 2300 right now. This movie has continued to be famous for a different reason, marking one of the first film debuts of one Marilyn Monroe. I had the market send over some salt mackerel for you. I know how you love it for breakfast. Some sweet kid. Soon after the asphalt jungle, the genre started exploding. One of the most famous examples was, of course, Stanley Kubrick's The Killing in 1956, which also cast Sterling Hayden and showed a robbery planned at a racetrack. This movie was Kubrick's attempt at this nascent genre, and has many of the same elements as the asphalt jungle in a bolder setting. And the other one starts the fight in the bar. These other fellas, how much are they cutting in for? Not that I mind. Anything you do is okay, but... These men are not going to be in on the basic scheme. They're getting paid to perform certain definite duties at a certain definite time. And they're not cutting in on the take. The years between 1955 and 1975 were considered the most productive for the heist genre. Even as other types of noir setups, like the private detective film, became old news, heist movies thrived. And it's easy to see why. Setting up a team gives a good reason to cast a variety of well-known actors in interesting roles with a ton of range. However, from 1975 to the 1990s, the heist genre was kind of pushed aside, reaching a low point. Although some filmmakers like Michael Mann, Steven Soderbergh, and John Woo, who would make big contributions to the resurgence, were working on their early work during the period. Michael Mann, whose iconic crime film Heat would be a big part of the resurgence, made his debut with the film Beef in 1981. You can't see late for night. I can see my money is still in your pocket, which is from the yield of my labor. What gratitude. You're making big profits from my work, my risk, my sweat, but that is okay. In 1992, Quentin Tarantino released Reservoir Dogs. We talked about this a couple months ago, but Tarantino's technique of not showing the actual heist and only showing the aftermath and lead-up, was incredibly novel. In the mid-1990s, films like Heat and The Usual Suspects helped lead to a resurgence of heist movies. This also coincided with a tangentially related subgenre of the heist film, the hacker movie. As far back as the Italian job in 1969, Peter hackers were often used as part of the team that would make up the heist gang. In the Italian job, Michael Caine gets a team together, including Professor Peach, played by Benny Hill, who hacks a Turin traffic monitoring computer. In 1982, it wasn't a heist film, but the film Tron basically set the hacker genre in motion. Computers were everywhere in the 1990s and early 2000s, and of course, they began to feature heavily into the resurgent heist genre. Guy Ritchie exploded onto the scene in 1998 with lock, stock, and two smoking barrels, and then began churning out high-paced British heist action crime movies. And a remake of the 1960s Rat Pack film Ocean's Eleven became a huge franchise for Steven Soderbergh. The Oceans franchise would bring many of those hacking ideas into a huge, big-budget heist franchise. All of this to say, the heist genre has undergone many transformations, and it feels like every iteration of this genre has been explored. But our guest tonight, Rick Ives, found a refreshing and novel way to tackle it with tonight's film, Solid Rock Trust. I really like contained thrillers, and I really like bank heists. And I started thinking, what's in all of these? We've got romantic scenes, we've got action scenes, we've got death scenes, we've got suspense and drama so when i was writing this i wanted to try to figure out how to put those together in a way i had never seen before or maybe no one had seen before solid rock trust has coco marshall playing the central role maddie 
who is a computer genius who puts together heists from a warehouse. She's able to hack into banks, and as we find out, was a lottery winner who lost her mom in one of the many tragic lottery-related deaths we have in this country. When poor Americans with substance abuse and mental health issues get access to a huge amount of lottery money in a short amount of time, as a one-time win, it can be tragic. Doesn't seem very fair. It was meant for someone who deserves it. Deserves it? The government swears they're paying for schools and parks while they're lining their own pockets. This is not a charity. This is a scam to get the poor to pay higher taxes. And when someone finally does win, you know the story by heart. Cue the tailspin that leaves them worse off than ever. This is a country-sized casino and the house always wins. What Rick does in Solid Rock Trust is that we don't actually see the heist. We see Maddie doing a stellar performance from her warehouse on the phone with the team she's set up. Maddie has this team largely as a distraction, staging a robbery at a bank so her boyfriend can leave the room, go upstairs, and put a thumb drive into a computer that holds lottery winnings. Yeah, just checking in if you're ready. Sure, I'm ready. What do you think? I'm ready, okay? You hired Americans for your job. Maybe you should count on us to be professionals. I know you can do your jobs. I'm just doing... You know what? It's fine. Just wait for the signal. We? Hold on a sec. Since we're all waiting for this dog and pony show to get started, once we see the quote-unquote signal, how are we supposed to know? Who the others are. I mean, me and Anvil haven't met anyone else yet. One of the tellers is Rowan. He'll come to you and the time is right. This gives Maddie access and control to where the money goes, while law enforcement is paying attention to the other robbery. Rick Ives has been an assistant editor for some of the biggest franchise movies from the MCU. Thor Ragnarok, Avengers Endgame, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. But here we see relatively unknown actors and actresses in Rick's writing and directing debut. This feels almost like a radio play or a true crime podcast. We visualize most of what's going on ourselves, which is bold, but Coco Marsh's performance makes it easy and worthwhile watch. Do not shoot anyone. Uh, who is this? It's me. Uh, come on, mate. Don't you recognize me? Wow, that's crazy. You were saying something about you not being French. I told her you weren't French in the first place. I know. I'm sorry that I lied. I promise I was just trying to keep everybody safer. Sure. I mean, I don't care as long as we're still getting paid, right? Anyway, before I introduce the panel, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Hit that bell to get notified whenever we're streaming. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live stream, send us a super chat, which helps me keep the show running, which I am obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer. We also have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Movie Night Extra. All of our after parties are on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, host of Britonic Reversal, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends, NeutronFriends.Bandcamp.com. Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends has a new split LP with Lung, Adult Prom, available now on Bandcamp. J. Andrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, Artist for Gives of an Argument, co-host for Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Christina Oaks. This Barbie is streaming on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Cosmopolitics. Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at Cosmopolitics. Send her some subs on Twitch. Rick Ives is the director and writer of Solid Rock Trust from Slash Bowl Films and has been the assistant editor for Marvel Studios' MCU movies including Thor Ragnarok, Avengers Endgame, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3.
I, of course, am your host, who's putting together a team for one last job, Forrest Miller. Let's get this cash money. Yo, that was incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the show, Rick. Thank you, man. I wish I had watched the first half of that before I ever made this movie. <laughs> it was so good for like what goes into a heist movie, what like where this comes from, and all the tropes, why they're there. Oh man, I just love I took a, I took a noir class in college. That's how I watched uh, the Asphalt Jungle and Stanley Kubrick's The Killing. Like those are like you know the two first big ones. Um, yeah, and like uh, yeah, so like that's where I got like the information about. The beginning of it. yeah that's cool like, it's like, all the, it's all there in those movies like the big crew and the easy plan and then it all goes wrong and everyone's double crossing everyone oh man love that well stuff. it's just it's it's such an easy i think genre to like uh put you know like a, a big like a, a bunch of talented actors kind of together like yeah, the totally. original oceans 11 is yeah. just the rat pack and right. like using it as a vehicle for the rat pack to make like a movie with like frank sinatra dean martin sammy davis jr like all of them doing a heist and so like it's kind of fascinating that um that it, it survived as long as it has um you know and and it's gone like over like gone through a lot of, a lot of iterations lately i think because it's a lot more fun to you know like now that we yeah, have like, yeah. CGI, like hacking and all this different stuff but like the original uh you know bunch of like heist movies are just the same basic plot because they're like all right we can get like character actors and some big actors put them together have like a big team of people just doing shit yeah, it's so wow. simple to get an ensemble. And then the fun thing about heist movies is they're bad guys, but we're but we're rooting for them, right? Yeah. And yeah. It's it's fun to like kind of be bad a little bit, like ah, what they're doing is illegal. I would never do this, but you're still kind of cheering them on. And I well, bet and- for actors it's so fun to step into that role and like be the bad guy that everyone roots for. <laughs> Yeah, well, and also, like, uh, I mean, they always have to have, like, a sympathetic backstory. Like, you did a really good job uh, giving, you know, Coco Marshall's, like, you know, the, the Maddie character a sympathetic backstory with the whole lottery thing. Yeah, and finding yeah. a way that, like, the government really is kind of scum, like, with how they um, put together the lottery system and how poor people really are taxed through that. And, like, because I, I go to, like, the, the gas station and stuff, and you get behind somebody who clearly shouldn't be buying, like, $500 worth of lottery tickets. Yeah, car. yeah. I, know. I mean, like, so we found a perfect way to like um, make it even more sympathetic. I think because it's like, yeah, well, kind of fuck the government then. Like, you know, like, I don't really, I don't really care if you steal the lottery money. Well, like, the way to make a good antihero is make their enemy even eviler than them. Yeah, although you so have, like, you really friendly, gotta... I like, I like how you have like a friendly cop, but like a scumbag government. It's good. I like that. <laughs> yeah, but like, is he really that good of a person though? Because like, he his daughter was like homeless and died. So like. What the fuck, dude? Like maybe he didn't have an extra room. Or maybe like he had a big yeah. family and they all were taking up in, bed. In my mind, know. she kind of like disappeared and was no contact for years or something. I don't know. But well, who was I think it was like um I mean, I don't think anyone like George McGovern's daughter, like one of those famous politicians that had run, like that was like wealthy and like his daughter had like worked on his campaign. She disappeared and died in the snow, like in a similar way. And mm. they were like a they were like a caring family and everything. It's just she disappeared and you know she was yeah. an alcoholic and when she was using i think like if i remember the story correctly like she would just disappear because her family would disapprove and would try to put her in rehab and then she ended up freezing in the snow like in a very similar story yeah, yeah. because you know she just disappeared one day like if joe biden <laughs> actually you know treated uh you know tre- treated his uh, son like that hunter would probably be dead right now uh so <laughs> 
Um, the other go. cool thing that that I didn't really uh, think about until I watched your little clip there was uh, the heist movie can keep evolving because crime keeps evolving. Sure. You know? Yeah. Cyber cyber crime was never even a remote possibility. In, yeah, yeah. When the killing was made. Right. You know, even if you think about, well, it's always hilarious too if you watch like '90s movies. Right, about what they oh, think what they're hacking is, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> where, where it's like, I, I mean, that one. oh god, the net is like the classic example. <laughs> yeah. But even, but even the movie Hackers is just like, wow, this is adorable so by comparison. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was I was watching the Italian Job last night, the original 1969 one, and they literally go into the, they break into the building, and there's like the big computer, like they they have to hack the traffic light, uh, yeah. like monitor system. So they literally have to go up to the thing and like feed something into it. They don't even show what they do in the end because they like cut to black. Oh. But it's like, uh, you know, that's a way different version of hacking than today's relatively easy. Like, you could do it. It's a work from home job. If you really want to. Like, 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 like a Blake 7 uh, back in the 70s. They, 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 uh, they had, a you know, the science fiction show in the far future. The computer hacker just sat there and soldered everything. Uh, okay. hilarious. Exactly. That's not computer yeah. hacking. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally they had a hatchet. They were hacking in. No, I, I, but it's even like look at something as recent as like Inside Man, right? With the advent of like facial recognition technology, what makes that movie wonderful, like really brilliant, and and, and honestly very watchable even now is like that wouldn't quite work the same way in 2023 because of facial mm -hmm. recognition technology, mm -hmm. and and it's it's weird to that. You know why do we love like the crime movie? Right. Again, we're, we're rooting for the people like we know you're doing a bad thing, but we also kind of want to see you get away with it. But maybe not, depending yep, on how yeah. it goes. <laughs> few gay, few crimes, but not in George Santos way. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Who could have well, the, the other one, the other kind of crime that uh, has changed like so much in, in the decades is like identity theft. And you see a lot of like. Uh, very elaborate plots like early noir movies for identity theft where it's like you know you have Barry Lyndon yeah like you you beat somebody up you like take their passport they wake up they don't have anything on them and now it's just right. like you know you call and you say you get them to say yes and then you can get their voice to say yes you somehow like get their social security number that's a new form of like identity fraud you can yeah. do it in like probably seconds and that like movies would have to evolve for that like no one's stealing your passport anymore I mean maybe the somebody IRS does not call People just remember that they do not call, but they're also trying to Wait, like get what? fake mail stuff now. <laughs> it makes me excited for like the next 20 or 30 years to see how heist movies evolve again because you're really just looking for where's the biggest amount of money that someone would try to steal, and then how could you steal that? And you could mm -hmm. see it changing like with the Oceans movies. It's like, oh, yeah, casino, like, they have the most cash of anybody. I think yeah. you could see more sort of cryptocurrency, Bitcoin related crime movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's where I was going. I, I think you would see a lot more if so many of the people that make movies hadn't fallen for it. Because oh, <laughs> yeah. they're like, it's yeah. not funny. I don't want to see that. You know, like, and it's like, well, I swear to God, put an NFT in your movie. Put, put, you, put an NFT in your movie. I am walking. I will not finance <laughs> any of it. <laughs> yeah, the, the guy from uh, 47 Ronin, which I think you worked on. Oh, uh, I just read that story. Yeah. Oh, crap. That, that is an so insane crazy. story. I read I that as well. I can't believe it. It infuriates me to no end, too. Yeah, like, did, did, you actually, uh, uh, did, you, did you actually meet him uh, whenever you worked on that movie? No, I didn't. So, yeah, I worked on 47 Ronin for like oh, three weeks in London, and I worked in a, the theater. Nobody ever came by. I just did dailies over there. But, man, I remember thinking at the time, this is – even then, I was like, this movie is so crazy. They've wasted so much money. We're doing reshoots that equal almost half of the principal photography. And everyone's talking about this guy. Like, no one knows what they're doing, or they rewrote the whole third act, and nobody knows what it is. And, you know, through the grapevine, Keanu Reeves is like worried about this. 
uh, <laughs> and then it comes out and uh i remember sitting in theaters it came out on christmas morning and the opening shot i was like oh no this is not gonna be good i could tell <laughs> so quickly it's, it's like when, when you get reports of when people screen the phantom menace and people are like oh no yeah <laughs> oh, made a terrible mistake <laughs> but uh, it's so wild like that guy's story that's the only movie he's ever directed and yet somehow he keeps getting truckloads of dollars like lined up like just, just lined up at dump his trucks door. coming up to the yeah, house make us something it. else yeah, Who, yeah who's trusting this guy it's so wild yeah, yeah. no it's, well, how much how much of the movie industry at that point is just like uh you know a money laundering operation that's so the like, whole like, that's my whole theory the, the, i think a lot of people was, talk about was we we bowl is that his name oh sure yeah yeah the guy who does yeah. all those uh like video game adaptations that's money laundering straight up right mm. even yeah. i think he's open about that <laughs> like well, we actually cool. make money losing money here Getting back to the Fire Runner guy, I mean, he took another advance from Netflix of like $10 million and then immediately put it in cryptocurrency. And it's like, okay. What? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how that's possible. But then he, he made this accent to the bank account. Of but then he record. made money on it. So everyone's like, well, I guess he made money. But it's like, no, he, that's like wild. It's either legal. that or tax write offs at this point. And yeah. it's a huge risk. It could have been a coin flip the other way and you would have lost it all immediately. So, speaking of not having dumped money pull yeah, up to your sorry. house, <laughs> what, I, what I appreciated about this film, and, and I saw it um, uh, so, sometime back, and I was really amazed by how much you did with so little. Uh, which is to say that, like, you make the like what you have works really well. You know, we mentioned the intro, a classic example, you know, Reservoir Dogs, you don't actually ever see the heist, which I think right. is fantastic, right? But it doesn't make it any less important. No, in fact, it'd probably be lessened if you did see the heist. Mm -hmm. But how how was this envisioned? Like, did, this, did the script come first? Like, where, where did where did this movie come from? Because we don't get to talk to directors too often, but I'm always curious about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Writing a script is sort of like sculpting where you have like an idea of it and then you keep ch chipping away like in all different places until you finally come up with what it is. Uh, originally, I wrote this as a short when I was in college because I was just mm. trying to think of something I could shoot in an empty apartment because that's what I had. <laughs> One room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what would be cool? What if someone had a whole bunch of phones? Okay, well, why would they need that? And then it kind of turned into, well, I like bank heist movies. What if she's like organizing a heist? Well, it was a guy at the time. What if he's organizing a heist? And uh, he has to call all these people. And I could never get this short less than like 20 pages, which is too long for a short. Everyone will tell yeah. you that. Uh, yeah. But there's all these things that I wanted to set up, you know, like I want to set up and pay off. And I wanted to be able to have double crossing that made sense. And you just need time to do that. So I could just never fit it in. Yeah, you know, I uh, or I, I did a I did a short film for college, like cause we had to do um, we did a documentary and then a short film. And I like ended up writing both of them. And like being like the director, which everyone kind of collaborates on on those things, but like sure. ended up being like the director. And uh, we had access to like a basement, so I wrote like a, a hostage scene where a guy is kept hostage, um, like over the course of like a weekend in a basement because we had like a weekend to shoot and we had like access to a basement in town, and uh, just like slowly becomes friends with like his hostage, you know, oh, yeah. takers and all the stuff is going on around him. Like so, that was like I was like, well, we have a chair, we do have rope, and. Uh, we do have Dude, we can, we can coming up with thing. a location first, like is inspiring to me, anyways. I think that's how Chris McQuarrie, the Mission Impossible guy, does all his yeah. stuff too, right? He's just like, find me a cool place to shoot and I'll write a story around that, right? So no, I that's, kind of like, I kind of like that's real. empathize with that a little bit. I think it's cool to find some place that looks amazing. 
so, so years uh, and years much- back. Hold on, Andy. Years and years back, uh, me and my friends really okay. Me and my friends had a had a public access show that was uh, public access show that tells you how long ago it was, right? And we did it on like the editing machines that have like the dials. It was like old school, like it was like the last generation to do that. But we we wrote it was a, like a variety show. We wrote most of the skits, some of the, which were longer form, around the locations we had. My favorite of which was a Batman and Robin uh, parody called Natman and Blobin, where we had a Bat Cave, but that's all we had, or the Nat Cave, excuse me. Uh, we regret the error. And they, ne- and the thing with the whole thing about because it was a comedy show, right? They never left the Nat Cave. They were just bickering like old uh, an old married couple at each other the entire <laughs> time. And so, like, but that was the bit because we had like, no, this looks convincing. We don't have anything else though. We have like the costumes and this. And so I always love when I see people like utilize. Uh, situation like you make a what could be seen as a weakness as, as a strength because i've been thinking about like all the different kinds of heist movies and and you whatever reason people have a hard time utilizing cell phones now mm-hmm. like it's and when it's done it's like it's immediately antiquated to be like oh the iphone doesn't look like that anymore or like whatever mm-hmm. that you know like you know yeah, there's no read so receipt true. or something and it's always going to be whatever the next thing is but i didn't feel like any of that was here and i think it was notable too because like the idea of like okay she's a different person to each one of these people, mm-hmm. which necessitates a different voice. But then she also has to be remembering that while she's at the mission control. I thought that was, a, I've never seen anything like that. I thought that was a fantastic. Coach. Oh, cool. Well, that comes from just trying to figure out, okay, there's going to be a person sitting at a desk here for 90 minutes. What can I do to make this interesting? And yeah. I love accents. I love like watching people switch <laughs> accents. I, you've certainly seen uh, an actor like giving an interview in their native accent for the first time and realizing that they're You're not like, oh American. crap they're english yeah oh, <laughs> or <wow>. australian <laughs> yeah it's yeah, so crazy so, so think about abraham lincoln mate is that and it's like oh my god All right. yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> like there's no uh, way that she has another accent in the back oh my god now she's australian it's so yeah it's so cool to watch and that's a testament to her uh, and her talent of just doing that—that that was part of the casting. Was I need to find somebody who could do accents? And she so said uh, the original watched... script it was a guy, right? So yeah, that... yeah, yeah. At some point, I was like, "Why can't this be a girl?" There's like so many guy movies. There's no yeah. reason this can't be a girl. So I just flipped it, and it, I thought it worked better because I kind of like nice movie, but feminist. <laughs> yeah, More yeah. female <laughs> criminals. And it's not necessarily about her that she is a woman. She's just a person. Yeah, right. I mean, Ocean's yeah, 8 exists. Oh, that's true. Yeah, the, that's about the only one I can think of, though. I mean, yeah, they made Heist woke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I watched it on uh, on Thanksgiving, and my grandma was here for Thanksgiving. Like we had like family over, and uh, I, we were we were watching it, and I like she never says a good thing about anything that she's ever watched, right? Like I even like um, I remember we went to go see Baby I like where Driver. This is going. Yeah, she's no, a real gem. She, so, so we went to we went to go see Baby Driver. She's like that was terrible it was too loud but we watched we watched solid rock trust and she's like wow that performance was like stellar like that was a stellar performance so i was like this is the first oh. time i've ever heard this woman say something nice Thank about you. something awesome. that was on tv amazing it's not tell your like, grandma to tell her friends because that would be great <laughs> yeah. show them how to create letterboxd accounts yeah all of a sudden your octogenarian numbers are off the chart yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A demo it's... I never expected. Yeah, the numbers are like, in the toilet for 20 year olds, like a, 80 year olds. It's great. That reminds me of like a better call Saul kind of scam where he's like, uh, he's getting all the old people to like all make letterbox accounts and rate his, uh, <laughs> rate, rate his like short film or something. I've rated two things. I've rated this Bank Heist movie and I've rated 80 for Brady. That's <laughs> oh, God. I've, I've, had, uh, Gabriel Horn on. He was trying to do something like that. <laughs> I've uh, I've rated this bank heist movie, and I've rated every episode of Fox and Friends. 
Can, can I tell you, and you know, I know, don't normally interject this kind of thing, but I am literally in a hotel that's like a retirement community right now, and they have a theater, and and it's, and retirement it's a community. nice theater. And what they in the the movies that they have picked are crazy. So first of all, we'll start with the with so first of all, two thousand one, which we missed by a day, which I'm like, oh, I would have loved to see two thousand one in like a, on a big screen. That, that'd be yeah. awesome. Oh, wow. And then Matilda. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, then there was, uh, it was like a Don, like a Don Knotts crime movie. I can't remember exactly what it was, but okay. Yeah, I get it. And then the lost city, AKA the Sandra Bullock vehicle that was on like Netflix oh, yeah. uh -huh. <laughs> earlier this year. Like it just is the most, I'm like, wh who is programming this theater? And, and these old folks are there and they're kind of wandering in that one of them. There was just like some obscure ass Julie Andrews movie I've never seen. I'm like, okay, well that makes sense. But whose was like, you know what we need in here? The lost city. <laughs> I'm barely aware that exists. That stuff. I would be doing the exact same thing, like from every. But they threw in like 2001. <laughs> I, I do a bar. Good movies, bad movies, kids movies. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, like, it, it seems like it'd be a lot of a blast to put together. But like, I guess what I, what I, the point of that story is that, like, you know, I, I, you know, it, it makes sense if you think about like they they aren't just look. Oh yeah, 80 for Brady too. That was the sorry. That was the uh, capper for that. That if that's going on tomorrow, we're gonna miss that one. No, uh, but. You know, it makes sense. Like, old folks don't want to necessarily just see old folks on the screen, right? And they've seen yeah. a lot of movies, probably. So, and 80 okay. for Brady is probably said the demo, too. Um, yeah, but no, like, like also, Matilda's also actually a good idea, because then you can get your grandkids. Yeah, no, yeah that's, what I was, that's, and, that's yeah, where yeah. you were going, was a lot of family stuff. Yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're not the only people visiting here, so it's like, a, okay. Not bringing the grandkids to the screening of Hellraiser in a week and a half. <laughs> it's crazy it was eighty for brady back with saw it was wild yeah. they, have, mm. they have the kids leave and then they turn on like a clockwork orange they're like that's why that's why i was like i was like i mean i approve but i'm like wow i feel like if you didn't know what 2001 is it was and you like wa walked into it and you're like you know in a retirement community what would you think that would be like where's that letterbox review anyway whatever <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we need to see their babylon uh letterbox review. <laughs> oh my oh, god no. yeah. that's <laughs> not how i remember it <laughs> <laughs> i was at that party it was nothing like that there no way chat on a those. guy <laughs> right there was way less clothes <laughs> yeah well, but I think it's interesting because you know it, a newer concept can go two ways. People can be like, I don't, I don't get that. I don't know what that is, and I don't want to engage with it. Or it could be like, oh, that's cool. I haven't seen that. And obviously, if you're if you're cinephiles, which <clears throat> of course we are, then of course we're going to be enthralled by it. <laughs> thanks, yeah, was, thanks, thanks for the assist, Christina. Yeah, watching your clip there at the beginning, I was like, oh man, these guys get me. They know exactly what this movie was. It's so great to find find those people. <laughs> yes. But but My like it, it, it's kind of it's hard sometimes to get over a new idea if you don't have uh, the <laughs> if you don't have the phantasm, but in a nursing home. Right. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> they made enough of those movies. You think they probably have one. Uh, and it, it can be hard to get over. But I feel like this is a simple concept because it's again, everyone knows what a heist movie is, right? Whether you right. Like, love the genre or don't. Like, you know, like it's you, you know what it is. <laughs> Imagine 12, wait, no, wait, wait, wait. Imagine 12 men stuck in a room for an hour and a half. 
and they're angry. Twelve angry <laughs> men in a room. They're angry men and there's twelve of them. They're, they're angry because they've gotten called in for jury duty. I don't want to go to jury duty. Do you want to uh, go to jury duty? Part of the part of the inspiration uh, I gave the cinematographer was from that movie. Actually, they started on a lot of wide lenses and longer shots, and I did the exact same thing. By the end, you're like all tight, real up yeah. close in their faces. It really builds the intensity without you even realizing it. If you could stretch it over, you know. Well, not, not only that, what, what I loved about the uh, the cinematography is that that uh, you know digital cameras usually flattens the image a lot because uh, uh -huh. there's like not the the same focal point like the the film cameras used to have, and uh, like a lot of uh, you know movies are are you know I mean like like you got to shoot on digital you know it makes perfect sense. Oh, you have to. I um, haven't. I've been working in this industry for 15 years now, and I've never worked on a film program. Yeah. But but the thing is though is like what you did with the uh, that you know the the constant motion created a certain sense of depth in the room that mm -hmm. that you don't normally get from there so so it didn't seem all flat and, and uh, there there was just it was uh, really just a great use of how you use the camera too just yeah thank you a lot of that thanks to our our DP Dakota but uh, would you believe me if I told you that abandoned building is ninety five percent real the way that you're looking at it right there. That's so great. we were looking all over town, mm -hmm. all over Atlanta to try to find a place that would let us come in and shoot. And we found that place and I walked in and I was like, oh, this is it. And everything that you see, all the props, all the set, it's like there already. And I knew from the beginning, like this is going to keep it visually interesting because we could shoot through these bookcases and around these tires yeah. and we could I, have I her love, like walk over to this corner and feel like a different scene, even though you're in the same room, but it looks like you're somewhere else, you know? I What's love that, that once the suspense builds to like the level that you're like, oh shit, like I really want to know what's happening. You get that little bit of a break where uh, the, the couple comes in, the horny realtor and who's showing like the, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. the drunk lady. Hard, hard uh, relatable, by the way. Yeah. So <laughs> you get that, you, <laughs> you, you get that break just as you're like, Oh shit! Like she's been sitting there the entire time, and like this is actually getting like really interesting. Like I'm actually yeah. feeling a lot of tension from just her phone calls, right? Like she's picking up the yeah. thing, and now she's right. using one voice, and you're like, it feels like this is culminating in something. And then all of a sudden, you see like a couple just like wandering, looking at the space, and you're like, holy shit! Will you leave? Like, <laughs> and then of course yes. you, you get the blood. Perfect. Like, <laughs> yeah, I wanted them to walk in at the worst possible time. Like, yeah. oh, we, <laughs> she has to be here right now, and she can't be. Yeah. How, yeah. excruciating is that oh my god not already <laughs> Get <out of> here. <laughs> and, and the uh the thing i love too is like like there's a bed right there and he didn't even suggest you know using the bed which oh you would not lay down on that thing get out of here it was so <laughs> gross <laughs> come back with five different stds even that bed was there when we when we moved in it was up against the wall but i, I assume it. you put a sheet on it because that, that looked like a pretty white sheet on top uh that scene where she lays down on it for a moment yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember if I brought in a sheet. We must have. Yeah. I yeah. So. <laughs> I wouldn't want to. I need to get a new mattress. Now, how much of the movie changed by uh... that was that was your takeaway? Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, you you do you do live uh, close enough to Georgia, you could get the mattress from that this abandoned is... warehouse. I live, this is where I, in that room. I live on the border like of Georgia. Ago. Yeah, I've never wanted to have mattresses.com as a sponsor more. Oh, you need your mattress, Christina? Well, <laughs> we're getting a we're, we're getting a sleep now. In my town, it's either like a car wash or now we're getting like mattress stores popping everywhere, vape shops everywhere. I'm like, what's next? Yeah, you want to talk about money laundering scheme? It's got to be that mattress store. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
Uh, you had a question coming in. I can't remember who. Yes. It yeah. Yeah. It was. It was me. I've been trying to get this one. In. How How much of the movie changed by casting Coco? Because she is phenomenal. Just oh, actually, the script uh, did not change that much. The accents changed. I had mm. less accents on the page, and mm. she came in and because you know you can't ex expect to write eight accents. Nobody can do that. Right. Uh, mm. So I had like three, and a bunch of them were doubled up. And she came in and was like, hey, I do a couple more. Can I change this one to this one, this one to this one? And I said, yeah, let's do that, definitely. But then it changes like who she's playing in that moment, right? Because when she goes yeah. into an accent, she's like a different character. So uh, I had to change like a couple things around to like right towards that. And then there's a sequence in the middle. Oh, this is a funny story. Uh, you probably remember where she's negotiating like both sides of a conversation. Right. And we intercut it in a way because like we, we get it. Like we get it. Negotiations happening. And so she starts to negotiate with herself. Hopefully you understood right. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, that was not written that way because originally it was like, she's talking to this person, then to this person, then to this, and back and forth and back and forth. It was kind of long and I actually forgot that I needed to shoot that. It was not on the schedule. And one day I realized it and I was like, oh my gosh, I just lost like five pages and I'm never going to squeeze this in. So that morning I rewrote that scene by hand on notebook paper to be what you saw. And I didn't even have a copy machine, so I rewrote it again <laughs> while I was sitting next to her. So she had a version, and I had a version, and we just like did it on the spot right there. And I love that scene now. I think it's like fun that's great. And, like, it's kind mm -hmm. of a comedy beat for the whole thing because it's the ultimate culmination of it being like switch this this accident character, this accident character. Like, well, I'd be hilarious if oh yeah, okay, he's okay. He's doing, doing both. both. Yeah. Uh, all right, sure. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, and the the camera angle switch enough that it's like. It feels really like you're like a negotiation is taking place between two people, and like you have to remind yourself like this is a negotiation right. between one person negotiating with themselves, yeah, both as a fucking uh you know cop and as themselves on the yeah. like on the, the phone, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, those are probably the only ways that it changed, uh, besides like cutting some lines out in the edit and stuff. But it was pretty close, mm. yeah, I would say. Very cool. Because so yeah, is it? I, no, go go. Oh, I, I was going to say, so uh, was it when Coco was casted that the character became female or was it had it? Oh, no, no, it was before that. Yeah, okay. I, probably on like version two or three, I changed it to a woman and was looking for a woman through the casting process. Yeah, it's funny. I screened this one night at a like a it wasn't a festival. It was like an indie screening night that had like five or six shorts and then our movie. And uh, it was like the main Main character was a male, 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 mm -hmm. male, male, male. Mm -hmm. And then ours popped up. Oh, it was like a breath of fresh air to have right, something right. different. And I'm yeah, so glad sure. that we went that route because, man, there's just not enough out there. It's, yeah, I mean, because so, okay, so there's the aforementioned Ocean's 8. There's like Emily the Criminal, right? Birds of Prey uh, could qualify. But there's not a sure. ton of female-centric uh crime movies which is strange i mean, I mean you go back to double indemnity i guess like if you were if you're really digging but like it does make it unique and interesting and why not why not yeah exactly right? that's why i changed it because i said why not like there's no reason you know as a guy i'm like terrified to write a f female characters right because i have no female yeah. perspective <laughs> but this seemed like a perfect fit because it she breasted boobily down the hall yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really matter like what gender they are and so that makes it just a good character you're just trying to write a good character right yeah well it should if it is a really good character then it shouldn't matter who's the person playing it necessarily too you know it, it, it what type of person they are yeah that's true. that's that's one school of writer anyway 
Well, I, I mean, it's, it's also hard relatable. She's dealing with like a shitty relationship at the same time, and yeah, there's like exactly, personal right. drama. And it just happens to be, of course, the guy that she has to trust to put the fucking thumb drive in. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, no, me- no metaphor there, but um, like it, it has, it has to be that guy that she ended up, you know, uh, cheating on. That's you know, the, the having having the machinations about you know, like stabbing her in the back, fucking old school noir style, pretty much like. Uh, you know, halfway through the thing when he's had enough. So it's like that extra level of like personal tension, I think, because it's part of the robbery and because it's not like, oh, well, you know, she has a family outside of this that you have to kind of introduce, I think works perfectly for this too. Oh, good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's always just trying to find like different types of relationships that she's going to have <laughs> with all these people. If you <laughs> like women talking, you'll absolutely love women stealing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good movie title. How did you do Uncle Alligator for that one? That was too good. So yeah, no, that one was. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think it's the theater of the mind is like a kind of a hard thing to write for, right? Because you don't want to over-explain. You don't want to like spoon feed the audience. But then again, if you don't have any visuals to go off of, you have to yeah. like make it evocative. So putting that from like idea to execution, was there any like cha- like major challenges that you found as far as moving it along, like the acts and everything? Um, yeah, let me tell you this. Uh, it's very easy. It's very easy to read this on the script because you forget that you're watching just one person when you're right. reading it, you're doing what you do with a book and like imagining how this is all going to play out. And right. then if you're not careful, you forget that, well, we're not filming any of that. And a lot of people had a <laughs> Like difficulty <laughs> understanding that. <laughs> like, sure. well, what are we shooting the other side of this? No, we're not shooting the other side of this. The original sound guy we had, which did not uh, make the cut, we let him go early, but uh, he like couldn't grasp that we're never leaving this room, you know? Like, but you're gonna go shoot the bank at some point. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> you're gonna listen to it all, man. You're gonna listen to it. That's why oh, your job is Lord. real important here. So uh, I knew that. there was another movie happening on the other side of the phone and to try to keep it interesting. I wanted you to really care about those people. So I'm casting voices that sound unique, like different ages and like vocal tones and stuff. So you, when someone answers, you know exactly who you're talking to. Um, And I wanted there to be a lot of sound design on the other side of the phone. So you've seen a bank heist movie, you know, what's happening in the bank. You know, that there's there's like guns and people are screaming and like shoving people into a closet or whatever's happening. And you could just hear all that. And like, kind of like with your eyes closed, figure out what's happening. And I wanted you to have that experience. And this is like, this is like the era of like true crime podcasts, right? Like, Oh yeah. We've all sat there and listened to (laughs) music playing and dramatizations. Yeah, people are very like primed for that level of visualization. I think now because it's like you can kind of just uh, do whatever and listen to like a true crime podcast. Like I don't know, like ten years ago or something. I mean, when people like, I mean, people are listening to the radio, but they're listening more to like talk radio, right? Like now, I think people kind of have a rich, a rich visual imagination with that kind of stuff because, like, especially like uh, you know, like suburban ass kind of people are like so deeply into true crime. Like every time you look at podcast numbers, like somehow that's far and away like the most uh you know that most people are listening to but yeah. also it, i mean that's that more, right now. that's also like a more recent trend and what's mm-hmm. one of the big complaints for people with podcasts a lot of times is i can't tell who's who 
Mm. I don't know which voice. Uh, not on this show, of course. That's very clear. But <laughs> really? like, especially when it's a pack of dudes, it's like, which which one? Who's talking now? Who is this? So who's the have... female? Exactly. <laughs> who's the chick? Who let who let who let the broad in? Yeah. Why are they trying there's, to make there's a broad on this show? <laughs> uh, and so, but I think that you hit on something important that, that I want to circle back on with that bit because I think if you don't have distinctive voices, you won't have distinctive characters. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it, it's like vital that they you, that the audience be able to immediately determine like who's who, and, and otherwise, you know, maybe the less imaginative of the <laughs> of the viewing audience is going to be like, well, I don't know what's going on, what's happening. Yeah, and hopefully you cared about all those people and had a, an image like your own image of who they were yeah. in your mind. And no spoilers, but if you were to see them later on in the movie, I, I looked up the the actors and actresses. I was like, and some of them like nailed it, and some of them like, nope, not even close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried. Uh, I've yeah, had this what, experience. What, the kid, the uh, the the kid that she's talking to. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what I was about. Like, that's not how I imagined that kid looking. Yeah, yeah. I've had this experience where I listen to a lot of podcasts, and then I'll see video like much later, and I'll have an image in my mind of who these people are, and when I yeah. see it, I'm like, no, that's not what they look like. Yeah. No. But dude, yes, it is. Yeah, it's your it fault. Is. Yeah. <laughs> so what does that say about you? I I've done my show for just about 10 years now. And I just started putting on video like during the COVID about, I bet people are like, that's now. not what I pictured at all. I had a bunch of people that were like, I totally thought you were going to look different. I'm like, well, I also like playing a band and I'm not hard to find. If you look up Kona neutron, I'm what's comes up, but yeah. I get it. That's because if you hear someone's voice and you like you, you're naturally going to want to create a visual to go along with it. And right. And, 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 and universally, by the way, what they thought I looked like way less good than what i actually look like they thought i was like you know a pop billy beardo i'm like thanks right right what's that christina i got a lot of compliments on my voice growing up because i'm i have a very low sultry voice apparently so like yeah. when i was in when i was in choir they were like how low can you go with your voice i'm like i can do bass i don't care and they're like okay we got no dudes in here so you're gonna be alto too and bass if we need a, a wide arrangement that's very diverse and i'm like i got you oh way to go see nice, everyone's got nice. their skill uh the other <laughs> element that having the the people on the other end of the phone that you could play with is uh her hands are really tied like she's trusting these people to do everything has to her eyes right. and ears and you could play with a lot like okay something's really going wrong and what can she do yeah. what can she do except yeah. sit and listen to it all fall apart and i really wanted you to feel that right well, and there are like kind of subtle like mind games is the wrong word, but there there's subtle like 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 linguistic trick tricks you can do to sort of move someone along, maybe to like where you want them to be. But then like if someone busts you on doing that, then it's like, oh, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, uh, my bad, y'all. <laughs> her power well, is that she can maybe she's a hacker, she can hack anything. But her real power to me is like her power of, uh, like convincing people right to persuade yeah. them. And then when she doesn't have that, she gets backed into a corner a number of times. So and and it seems like uh, logistics and contingencies too, like the the ability to like problem solve from afar seems oh, yeah, to be yeah. like a, a like a like a skill set there. And it's like, but the second you lose control, you really lose control. And like anybody that's ever like you know tried to handle anything logistically and like set it up so you're like, all right, this is gonna go this way. Like it never does. Like once no, you're. No doing whatever it is right like think, like something going look at on this show 
<laughs> no, but like something, something like I mean, it's kind of like being on a film set. Like you can have every single uh, you know piece of equipment ready, but something's gonna go wrong that you had no possible way of foreseeing. Like, <laughs> well, probably um, more but, so on a smaller yeah. production, right? Because if you know you've worked on a lot of much bigger productions that are that are not your baby, and it's it's like you have. You know, there's a department for everything. There's there's a division of labor that like borders on the absurd, whereas you don't necessarily have that on a smaller production. The department of giving water to bitchy celebs. <laughs> Ironically, it, feels, it seems like no matter what level, it's always going wrong all the time. There's just more money on the line. <laughs> right. But, yeah. We'll say, uh, I write what you know. Like when you're looking for inspiration, like you're supposed to write what you know. That's what I always hear. Yeah. And uh, I've never stolen money from a bank before i'm not planning to so i didn't exactly <laughs> yeah let's get I mean. that out of the way exactly yeah but in some ways i really did write what i know because it's like i don't trust anybody to do any of this <laughs> i want to do it all by myself and that is the part of me that's definitely in the script and it's hard yeah because when things start falling apart like what are you going to do to hold it all together and yeah. who can you trust who can you trust to bring along on this ride you know she, she's a well, control and- enthusiast see she's enthusiastic yeah. about it she isn't freakish it's a control enthusiast. well go, going, control going enthusiast. back i like that as- as, as far as like uh kubrick's like the killing like in the heist genre right like there's always like a, a delegation that has to happen and like all like a lot of these movies like when they're the most interesting is when there's a central plot and then there's like you know other plots that have to be going on that people you know aren't allowed to find out the full amount of information and of course mm-hmm. as things spiral people are like pressing in to find out the full amount of information, but it adds a whole other layer when the person who has all the information is not there. Like they are mm-hmm. not at the scene of whatever's happening. They're remote somewhere else. And, you know, and it's still like the, that thing is pressing in on them to like reveal the rest of the plan. And it's like, I, I feel like there's a whole other dimension to it because it's like, uh, you know, in some ways, like is the person going to fold? It's so much easier in some ways to fold when someone's right in front of you, pointing a gun at you or whatever. But like, right. there's a whole other like set of issues that has to happen for that to be the case uh, at the bank, and then you're at a warehouse, and you could at any point, like if you were that kind of person, just break the burner phones, cut and run if you really right, wanted to, right? right? And like, get out, yeah, yeah. She's the one person who's safe, and they yeah. even bring that up at some point. Like, dude, you're not in any danger here. We're the ones with our necks on the line. Of course, the cop instantly is like, "I know who you are. You're you're Maddie, and here's your social security. Here's your name, social security <laughs> number, and like, I don't know your location though somehow, but I know everything else. Like, right. <laughs> well, he got an anonymous tip. That's why we don't know. Yeah, the the the, the boyfriend that. ratted her out. Still, see, classic, classic. Yeah, uh, yeah. there's plots yeah. on top of plots. There's always like somebody double crossing. You're like. I did Gotta not see this coming, but you should have you should have been able to see the whole, the whole time. But then you know, over the phone, right? You can't really tell any of that either because it's like you're only seeing Maddie the entire time. It's like mm-hmm. when she finally gets double crossed, it's like you can tell who's sneaky and who's you know planning on doing what. But like there, there's a level of like uh, you you're you're left with her level of like you know inability to do anything when things go wrong or inability mm-hmm. to even know what's going wrong when things go wrong, and you just start hearing like gunshots. And like that's the, the suspense builds from that because you're like, all right, she doesn't know what the fuck's going on, and I don't know what the fuck's going on. We're all kind of just in the same boat. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not like I'm leaving. It's not like you're being left out and you're confused because the filmmaking isn't right. You know, I've been in those yeah. situations. You're like, what is going on? <laughs> I feel like I should know what's happening right now, but I don't. Did the director uh, just invest ten million dollars in crypto? Is that is that? But is as that long it? as you're in the same seat as her, it makes sense. Right, because you're experiencing it with her. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, and, so that, and Shasta that's... sends them in with, with blanks, which like is a whole nother set of fucking problems. Because when the guy finally, like, you know, the kid freaks out and shoots a cop with a blank, like, you have to be like, well, now they're going to know. But then there's like, when, like, the, introducing an actual gun into the situation is like, I'm glad someone brought that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the other side of trust of the Solid Rock Trust, right? The, the, the lack yeah. of trust in this case, you know, mm-hmm. something goes south. Well, and and, 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 and that's proper, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and I and I like the the idea that like uh, you know, it, since it's a two person operation, they're both bringing people into this, so like that trust is strained even farther because it's like, well, you brought this person in, yeah. I brought this bring? person in, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like where the fuck did you even find these people? Like, uh, that's what it was all about to me. Was like, who do you trust? Different levels of trust, and like a different amount of trust for each person, and then how they all for her crumble. And yeah, the answer for her should have been no one. The answer for her apparently was like everyone, but the answer should have been no yeah, one. yeah. Well, for her, I think that's like her big issue. Like that's her fatal flaws that she doesn't trust anybody, but she's now in this situation where she's being forced to. She, she has, has to. to. Yeah. And is she going to learn from that? Is she going to learn to to trust someone else besides herself or not? She doesn't trust question. anyone, but she instantly folds. And apparently that's not the first job where she's instantly folded and be like, all right, so here's the real plan. And it's like, no, don't do that. <laughs> it always happens. They always find out, man. <laughs> exactly. She's like, they're like, what's the real plan? I can't tell you. What's the real plan? Okay, here it is. I guess I have you, to tell you. Got you. Me. That was too it, much it goes fun. way back. Twice. That's the rule. <laughs> First, go to accent school and learn a bunch of different accents. <laughs> and I'm glad none of them were offensive, too, because, like, you know, it could be like uh, you get banned from India for life, like uh, what the, um, uh, the guy from Short Circuit did. Uh, oh, my gosh. Stevens. Yeah. Is like the jerky boys knock over a bank? What do you think? It's one, thing to do, it's one thing to do an accent and pretend to be somebody else for a purpose. It's another thing to pretend to be a different race straight up play that different character and hope nobody notices Fisher Stevens and Fisher Stevens is banned from life from going to India is he really? yes you probably have to cycle through like 14 countries at least before you get to the point where you're like okay I gotta bring in some offensive accents into this (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm out of of European countries I'm out of North American countries I guess I'm going to England. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the next thing you know, it's like the many, UK office. I brought too many people into this plan. Now I'm just doing racist accents and I've lost control of everything. And one of my favorite moments, like watching like a like a lot of UK actors do better job at doing American accents than American actors do in different accents. Yes. And I remember watching it's Legion. <laughs> yeah. And I remember watching Legion where Dan Stevens, a British dude, is you know playing, you know, an American. But he's trying to imitate Patrick Stewart's Professor X, and it's like he's faking right. a British accent, even though he is British himself. But he's <laughs> Americanizing right. the British accent, and I'm like, yeah. it's like the inception of accents because it's like a yeah. British guy being an American imitating a British. And guy. his guy, his, his other day was like, "Is that a British accent? What are you doing?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, this is so funny." <laughs> it's like yeah, the uh, it's like the Tropic the Tropic so Thunder funny, thing. Yeah. It's like I'm yeah. a dude playing another dude. You know, whatever, like, stuck to another dude. (laughs) (laughs) So true. By the way, this is Frankie. Hey, Frankie. Hello. Frankie's looking for a close-up. He he, he likes to be on camera. It's annoying. (laughs) Give give Frankie a (laughs) close-up. 
Look, kid, the cat stays in the picture. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I was at uh I was at I was at the grocery store the other day and they had like an uncle alligator, but it was like a bunch of money for a for like an alligator like dog plush. And I was like, Audrey's just gonna rip this up in seconds. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a great act on stream for maybe 10 minutes and then over. Yeah. Maybe not even maybe not even that. Like maybe she'll get 10 to minutes might be generous. Stream. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thinking about it. So what what are you, what was the biggest challenges with putting this together? Uh, oh man, the biggest there's there's no biggest they're just all huge. Everything's a challenge, just like yeah. this show. <laughs> like, <laughs> pre production is like a million little things that you have to do every day to try to get it ready and foresee you know so you don't have problems when it's late, and you can never avoid that. Like one day, my male actor uh, came on day two and was like, shoot. I didn't shave. Do you have a razor? I don't have a razor. So now I got to figure out how to get a razor here in the next <laughs> 15 minutes. DoorDash it. <laughs> uh, stuff like that. Um, man, shooting, uh, you know, it was hard. It's long days. And you're just trying to shoot as many pages as you can in a single day and keep up with it all. We fought with the weather a lot because we were in that building. And uh, anytime it rained, you, you can, can really hear it. Hear it. Yeah. 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 It and we're in up. Georgia, thunderstorm season. So we were like shutting down for an hour or two at a time when the Oof. clouds were rolling. It's so dark in there. And it's just Tell like me yeah, about a it. hurricane outside. But you so, got that next light coming through the, the, uh, that kind of like, uh, covered up window. Yeah. The roll up doors. Yeah. yeah. It was incredible. And that was our source light for a lot of it until the clouds roll in and then you lose it. Then it's completely different, and yeah, you yeah, don't have any yeah. shock consistency. Um, and, then so be, was... and, and then it'd be like, you know, continuity errors on INDB. The lighting in this scene is so different yeah. from the lighting in that scene. I'm surprised at how consistent it was through the whole thing, because we shot in 10 days, and man, he just did a really great job. Even when we were shooting at night, you couldn't even tell, because he was matching it with, with other lights that were set up. Oh, wow. um, that was tough, and then, gosh, uh, all the computer screens I made myself from scratch pretty much every really? single one and there's oh, like wow. 40 or 50 of yeah, those and all different styles like dos or max or windows or hacking screens you know i did all that that took me a long time to do um all right i, I have a marketing marketing has been tough that's the, that might have been the hardest thing that's something i never understood before and now i have a well respect for those people but I've been told that I'm good uh, with marketing, even though I didn't do so well with it as a class in high school. Oh, okay. Yes, sure. because that's not, how you, should, that's not how you should pitch that. You should leave yeah. the high school part of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> leave the second half of that. Yeah. I didn't like. I didn't like the teacher. But here's the thing: I know Wonka's coming out, and Timothy Chalamet's got a couple of movies coming out next year. And I'm okay. like, why not? Why not push them all to May and call it Chalamet? Now that oh, is a yeah, PR move. Way to go. Yeah. It's a December to remember. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, also, apparently Nosferatu is coming out the same day as Jordan Peele's new movie. And I'm like, it's up. It's Barbenheimer, but spooky. Well, it wasn't Wonka supposed to come out at the same time as Dune before they moved Dune. What were they? Wow. What was their plan? For yes. That? Oh in, inside of you are two Timotes. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um. Yeah. So, so I have a, I have a, I have a question uh, with, with the challenges. How challenging was it to shoot? Like, all right. So after going through, I don't know what order you shot everything in, but after going through everything where it's kind of not easy, but it's kind of contained. And then you kind of have the action of her boyfriend coming in, like, you know, kind of limping or whatever with the fucking blood on him a little bit. And he's like, uh, you know, he's holding her up and everything. And that whole scene, 
were there challenges putting that part of it together? Like, or was it, did it feel different um, shooting that, like the, the, you know, the, the kind of finale of it rather than. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So like I said, we shot 10 days, I think one day was completely inserts. Like it was all just her hand moving stuff around the map and pushing <laughs> buttons and like typing and mouse, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Like <laughs> uh, one day was that couple who came in and then two days were uh, the boyfriend. And I tried to shoot it all like as, you know, in order as I could, except we can only get certain people on certain days. So like the boyfriend stuff was right in the middle. It was like, Dave, I don't know what it was, three and day six or something like that. And uh, man, it was a lot easier, I know, especially for Coco, having other actors there. <laughs> right. Yeah. And but you do kind of get into a rhythm of shooting whole sequences where it's just her at the desk. Like we're gonna do it from these two angles. We always shot with two cameras, and then we're gonna start it over and do from these two angles, then start it over and do from these two, and then we get try to get six, you know, for each scene. So I have something to cut to. Um, you do get to a, a rhythm there but man um i gotta believe it's harder to shoot a single location thing than a regular movie because it would just be nice to go into an area and shoot a scene yeah you don't have like anything one for day your and then yeah and then you're done like you don't have to worry about if the map is torn up the right way yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that we had it like four days ago and yeah uh, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, the blood in the right candy. place yeah yeah reminds you of yeah. what the movie Hard Candy with the Elliot Page oh, yeah, and Patrick yeah, Wilson, yeah. like they shot that in like eight about eighteen days, and they had to really make sure that you know a lot of things like the, the they filmed in like a, a cafe and then like a house, like mm -hmm. it was like they built it like it was like studio sets or something like that, and they really had to make sure that they had to get everything everything right, like even the lighting and the changing of like the cinematography would change depending on the mood of the scene. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I guess recreating they, that stuff can be a bear. I mean. Yes. Especially when you're shooting out completely. I mean, some you could get away with filming some stuff in order, but a lot of people are like, "Yeah, we shoot a lot of stuff out of order, and we gotta yeah. make sure that we remember." You always we, do. We you place just have things. To. You just can't get actors at the at the right times or weather like we had, or you know whatever it is. Yeah. How how did you do? Um, like you, I'm guessing you ADR the uh, the the all of the um, phone calls, right? Like, can, can, can I say I still wanted to make an automated hand replacement joke, but I was like, is that too niche? Because ADR, automated dialogue replacement. We had Carol Rossler yeah. from Black Flag on the show, who uh, was the head of ADR for Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, uh, okay. Other things as well. And we, she did, actually was like super cool about explaining the ADR and all that. But I'm like, I can't make an ADR joke. Come on. Up an automated <laughs> hand replacement because you spent the whole day doing hands. Anyway, whatever. That was the joke. Um, that would have been the joke. So you got an explanation of the joke instead. But Perfect explanation. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, we didn't do that much ADR. ADR is when you're recording dialogue to like match what's on screen after the yeah. fact. It had like five or six lines out of the whole movie. Um, you're talking about the phone calls, though. Yeah, the phone call. Like, did, so did you read? Was it you or somebody on set reading the uh, lines, and then she would do them, and then you'd cut that out? Or was yeah, so it, I tried to uh, figure out like how are we going to do this because I don't really need all these people here all day, right? Because right. I don't know. They're really not in it that much. Like a particular character on the phone, if you put all their scenes together, it's like maybe 10 or 15 pages at the yeah. most. It's not that much. Uh, but I did want her to act against somebody because when you have somebody just off screen reading right. dialogue, it's like, eh. Then it sounds partner. like you're responding to somebody reading. Like yeah, there's yeah. no flow to it. There's no natural it's part. It's like you're reading yeah, exactly. a play in class and you're waiting your turn. Right. So the solution I came up with was uh, we did Zoom calls like this uh, with all the actors ahead of time. 
and I recorded yeah. all that stuff. So I sent microphones from Amazon to everyone's houses and I got on with one actor and Coco and we did all their scenes on one day. Then I got oh, on with another actor and we did all their scenes for another day. And in that way, we kind of got to see the progression of those characters, you know, like yeah, yeah. In real time almost. Uh, and then I had basically all the phone conversations done and then I edited them all together and I cut out the timing. So I got the timing right. And then I sent her the wave file of the conversation as it would play in the movie. Right. So she was listening to it on her phone, like while she's on the plane or like rehearsing or at nighttime yeah. the day before. Hmm. And we would just push play on that thing over a speaker that day. And she had it all memorized. Like she could go 15 pages at a time because she'd been practicing yeah. everything. Like hang up the phone, another phone rings. It'll like ring for her to give her a little cue, and like pick it up. And then she starts the next conversation. And so that's how we did a lot of that stuff without any cuts. If you notice in the movie, it feels like she's just picking up the next phone, picking up the next phone. Because it really is just a playback happening. And she's practiced all the accents and timing. Oh, that's it awesome. It worked so good. It did suck, I'll tell you later, because I had to go cut out all that audio <laughs> and put it in yeah. the original oh, one. Oh, sure. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So I'm like constantly fading down, fading up, fading down, fading up. Yeah, right in the theater. There's, right? something, there's, there's something also so stressful and like kind of almost like annoying about the sound of the burner phone, right? Like when when you're already in a high stress situation like the and yeah, i'd like the, to the vibrating all of the all of the burnt like whenever something like you know popped off at the bank you had all the burner phones going at once yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. in my head like my first thing is like i would be so fucking annoyed by the sound of all those burner phones over and over and over again yeah right and it's like because it's like these are the people that you're using as a as a you know a, like a diver like a divergence or whatever right like or a distraction right like you're this is a, a plot that doesn't actually have anything to do with the actual heist and like the money you're getting that plot is just like a side plot it's like the first fucking 10 minutes of suicide squad or whatever when they send the other team out there to just oh, like right. uh you know distract the other <laughs> side of the island so it's like <laughs> so it's like she's dealing with that but then she still has to talk to the people on the phone to like talk them down and stuff there's like there's never a moment really where like it's crucial she to stop yeah yeah i don't know um that was a list so i had a list in my head when i was writing it like all the things i want to happen like at one point i want to have all the phones ringing yeah at one point i want to have her calling everybody and they all go to yeah. voicemail at the same time and at one point i want her calling everyone and like one at a time and nobody answers so yeah, it was fun to like play with all the different scenarios that we might have. Yeah, like how do you make a cell phone interaction dramatic? Yeah, you can't. Right? You can't. <laughs> it's hard. Got <laughs> some sound effects. Like, well, doink, doink. Yeah, and one thing I did actually appreciate is that that like uh, the the first like like the beginning of the film like like that you can it sounds like you know uh, like like uh, you know it's it's muffled a bit mm -hmm. like like you know it's it's coming out of a cell phone speaker mm -hmm. but like as you get drawn into it like when, whenever um rodin's like uh supposedly getting killed um you oh know, you caught that like, like like that is crystal clear like like yeah, there is yeah. no distortion in that because right. you know which really draws you i i didn't notice it the first time i noticed it uh, my, my uh second watch through for today so, oh damn you watched it twice way to go yes yeah. i know Forrest watched it like five times because he's like <laughs> tapping into over there to like real real subtle stuff <laughs> but uh well, yeah I, I, watched, I watched it i watched it once and then uh for doing that like um doing the uh intro okay. i went through like a, a skip a couple times of, like yeah. different parts of like uh i told I the sound guy like for this one because it's like a long slow push in i want to start with it like we always have heard through the phone and then by the end i wanted to sound like he's right there in the room with her 
because when you're on the phone, you don't notice that sound anymore. Like yeah. it fades away, you know. But in the story, I wanted her to feel like she was right next to him. I wanted him to feel like he was in the room, even though he's not. So yeah, thanks for picking up on that, man. Way to go. Yeah, the deaf I, I guy. Like it. I, th- I think they're very, sc- uh... they're screening at the th- senior center uh, theater. I think. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. I, I feel like it's, it it's, it's very it's very hard to make a phone conversation dramatic. It's very easy to make. Uh, someone hanging up a phone very dramatic. Oh right? yeah, like, the best. That is the most like that that cut off of communication <laughs> when you really need it. It's very easy to make that. That like, was a, a really dramatic. nice thing about the yeah. old style rotary phones that we had. That you could just, just uh, like slam it down. Yeah, yeah. that's why I went with the flip phones. <laughs> anyway, push the button. She, at least she could like flip it closed. <laughs> yeah, like, get me pictures of Spider Man. We got whacked. Slam the phone down on the. We've all been there. It feels so good to hang up on somebody when you're pissed off. Oh yeah. Just throw my phone across the wall and hope for the best. Yeah, that's why I got an autobox case. Well, like that isn't why too. I have it, but yeah. Does not feel great to be on the other end of that where someone hangs up on you. Oh, no. Yeah. Did, did she just? Man. Yeah. How but, dare they? I also love the fact that like uh, it gave me flashbacks to the wire. Um, remember that like the, there was a big plot point towards the end of the show where where they went to get all the burner phones. Yeah. And, um, I actually lived in Baltimore for a while, worked at Radio Shack and sold a bunch of burner phones to drug dealers. So, oh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> I remember like watching, uh, like after nice. I, I stopped working for Radio Shack, like watching The Wire going like, oh, that's me. <laughs> I'm selling right, so with that. A, so we have a chat question. Uh, can you talk about the two minute time limit countdown and what was the inspiration? Yeah. It gets the attention of the calls yeah. that Conan mentioned and has a great payoff at the end. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, great question. I put the two minutes in there to as like an exercise. Okay, none of these scenes are going to be longer than two minutes because I want this to move quick. I never want you to get bored with a conversation. So what's better than having a ticking clock? And, you know, we can make that visual. Yeah. I need something for her to do. So like every two minutes, she's just got to reset it, reset it, reset it. Um, so two things. Yeah. In one way, it just made it more interesting, I think, so that we never got bored with something that was happening. And another thing that it made was add tension when she needed to talk for more than two minutes but couldn't right um sometimes she had to hang up like before before she was done talking um so it was to fun to play with like that a little bit it, right that's like yeah and, like yeah yeah because you need a yeah. reason okay well why but in the story why can't she talk for two minutes so yeah. maybe they can i don't know if this is true <laughs> maybe <laughs> that, they can triangulate that, her phone two minutes and then it not, plays later like she uses that to her advantage at some point so that is that is a real thing. It. I don't know if it's two minutes specifically, but it, but it, yeah, it, that it actually is a real thing, and it, it, it depends. There's, honestly, there, it depends on if you're getting your phones from Radio Shack. Thanks, that's what I was gonna say. There, there, <laughs> no, there's a there's a there's a thing where it's like you could listen for a certain amount of time. Like the I don't I, don't, I feel like this is from a movie too, but like you could listen to the calls for a certain amount of time, and then like the FBI or whatever has to turn it off, and then they ha- oh. they can turn it on again and listen for another. That's like, so that's I don't um, believe any of them would follow that rule. Well, no. yeah, and, and those those are rules for wiretap, which only um hold true for landlines. Uh, uh believe it or not, they've never updated the Telecommunications Act to include any of that. And when they did it, it basically was like, Well, there's a hole you can drive a truck through on here, uh, for the actual rules anyway. But it's basically you can you can do whatever you want as long as you uh get that the FISA warrant or whatever to pull it up. But definitely but there was much on the Patriot Act. Way to go, it's, man. How do you know that? <laughs> I it's <laughs> Look, I could tell you I'd have to kill you. No, it, but it's it's but it is funny because that that it actually was a real thing for a while that they could only listen. Then they had to turn the tape off for a certain amount of time. But that was all um, 
specifically when like landlines, all landlines, and when that was the only method of uh, telecommunication that uh, was included in there. Gotcha. I definitely got that from the conversation. I I was trying to think yeah. what movie did we watch. Yeah, that's that's where <laughs> that's where that was from. Absolutely. No, it's it's uh, which is then again, you know, hopefully they never ever try to remake it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it's very much of its time, right? You know, in that, I don't know. In the Cedar sequel was fun. <laughs> Enemy of the State. <laughs> yeah, it was was not on the same level of importance personally. No, I think. But, no. <laughs> but but I think that it's it's interesting when you have the the elements of like the law enforcement, right? That like, okay, how do you make this threatening when she's not in the same room? And obviously, the big thing is it needs to, needs to make sure that her. Her lair uh, is is that I'm just gonna call it a lair. It's a lair now. Uh, <laughs> gets exposed. Her back game. But 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 you don't have that cutaway of like you know the detective. Oh, what's you know like perfect example is uh, like I think a Silence of the Lambs, right? Where mm-hmm. you get that that big scene where they oh they got him. They close in on, on Buffalo Bear. They're gonna get him. And then it's they're like, at the wrong place. And it's like they're at the wrong place. And Clarice is at the right place, but doesn't realize that that's that that's Buffalo. And it's like oh whoa, like that's that's a crazy way to yeah, show he's that. Like, he's like oh hey. Was she a great big fat person? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but you don't even get the side of having uh, the pursuer uh, to have have any of, of that element for dramatic tension. So to draw it out, it really comes down to like the voice performance and the interaction. And I felt that there was like real kind of like tension because there was that big big cop energy like back and forth of just kind of like trying to 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 dominate the perp i'm sure they would call it <laughs> and then it became like more cajoling and then it was sort yeah, yeah. of you, you know, definitely like, have different tactics to try to get at her yeah and you, you gotta run through like i guess the, the cop toolkit of, <laughs> of yeah you gotta be friends with them you gotta be nice like we don't care if you get away with it we just want everyone yeah. safe, yada yada. But then right. the pressure's on soon, right? He's not the only one involved here. Like we got to get this taken care of, and then of course it's got to get personal. It always gets personal. Always yeah, well, like it, it's like uh, Dog Day Afternoon, right? Like uh, the the negotiator part of that movie, where the one guy in the in fucking Dog Day Afternoon that uh, also tried to eat Kermit's legs in the Muppet movie. Um, <laughs> that I did that, never uh, make that connection. Thank you. Canonically the same guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, No, that cop is completely unsuited for that role in, in Dog Day Afternoon. Where that's he's, why like, he's going after Kermit's to... legs, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did a mid-career life change. Yeah. Well, I, I only made that connection because we had watched. Well, I mean, it was like a year before we had, we had I, watched. I, I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, but I, it's, just, it's just kind of funny. I was like, Oh my! Because I was like, "Where do I know that guy from?" And He's a that guy. Like, He's a that guy like, actor. It's that like, guy. Oh my god! He wanted to eat Kermit's legs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> is that before or after? We got to figure this out. <laughs> Could, like, but yeah, like, <laughs> that that kind of thing, right? Where um, that that's a certain skill set, and like more and more, I think in, in uh, like hostage movies or like you know heist movies or whatever, like whatever that whole genre, right? Like that skill set has gotten more and more refined in the age of like the Patriot act and stuff. And like, um, Mm -hmm. now that kind of, I mean, now it's kind of just a shoot to kill kind of situation where it's like, I don't think like, I don't think cops really talk people down even the same way anymore, but like they do have like an FBI hostage team where they're like, yeah. So what, what do you want? Like, can I, can I just, you know, can I see a show of faith? Can I get one hostage out of there? Like, can I, can I see some people and let's, let's negotiate Like that is its own skill set. I feel like. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't even know if that happens, but it happens in bank heist movies. So yeah, it's definitely. <laughs> they do actually have a simulator 
Like it's a, uh, oh, okay. a it's like, it's, I swear it's like a video game. I've, I've seen it. It's uh, all AI every, nowadays. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is, but it's like, it, it's basically almost like a choose your own adventure. Yeah, you wear one of those that that's like uh, on force screen. Yeah, yeah, ex exactly. Yeah, the, the real life camera. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and I'm surprised that's never shown up in any of these. Like, isn't there like a freaking, isn't there a Samuel Jackson movie just called The Negotiator? Yeah, the Negotiator, right? yeah, which, which, yeah. uh, honestly, not that great. Um, I don't remember him doing that much negotiating in that movie either. Well, the whole, the whole trick was is that, uh, he's like, uh, like the equalizer. What's you equalizing? Anyway, he, so. he's, he's the cop that, uh, normally does the negotiation, but all of a sudden, like, he's framed for a crime he didn't commit. So they bring in Kevin Spacey and, uh, oh. the whole thing, yeah. Which, that yeah. well. <laughs> but we, which, so the whole the whole thing is just like uh like i know your rule book and he's like trying to keep the negotiator and the other the police off because uh, he knows what they're going to be doing yeah even yeah, though yeah. he's taking hostages and it's not a great film but it's it's fun it's got a great great uh green rival uh score so so like that kind of makes up for what the script's missing we need someone unimpeachable give me kevin spacey <laughs> <laughs> that one doesn't hold up so well didn't age well. What are the logistic concerns of like having so many damn cell phones? Like, were they were they like going dead at the wrong time or anything? Or like, do you have like a charging oh, station that was like ninety deep or something? Like, what? Um, thankfully those little flip phones last a long time because they're not using the yeah. battery life like your iPhone is. Uh, but man, they're all working for real. Like, I went to Walmart and bought however many phones and bought a, a one month plan for <laughs> for each of them so we can just call them as needed yeah, yeah and yeah i would charge them all at night and we'd run them during the day and that was it did you actually police not... contact you uh for buying all those phones uh you know what's funny is i couldn't even buy oh, them see, all those phones were place. working out for you i could only buy like two at a time so i was driving to all these different walmarts to find the same yeah. phone you know i wanted them to all be mm. the same that was in the wire too, people. wasn't it? Yes. It like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, in fact, one of the places that they went to go buy the phones at was like right down the street from my uh, art studio uh, that I had at the time. So they have they have the whole uh, they have the whole thing where they have to go out of town or whatever to get them. So the guy ends up buying them all in the same place, and that's how they track them because his girlfriend is bitching at him and it's uh, like, why why are you going all those you know, why are you going all those places or whatever? And he's that's like, right, that's right. God yeah. damn it. Yeah, that's how mm -hmm. they ended up getting them because they're like, look, we can sell you all these at a deal and he gets to keep the money that way. But then <laughs> but then they can figure out where they were. They can, all they, they, can they can track uh, it. Yeah. yeah. He buys them from the cop. I Clever. Think, from the cop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Well, yeah, a lot of that. charge, a lot of charging cables there. I would imagine. Uh, yeah, we had definitely cables. had charging stations going. <laughs> was there somebody <laughs> on set just for charging? I wish we had somebody who could take care. I was the prop and uh, you know set person. Yeah, we had people doing other things, but we had like fifteen people a day probably. But the phones well, were that's the, the next part. step up. The next step up is you have like a, a prop person. That's like the, I know, and a script yeah. supervisor. It would be amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, when you did uh, too solid, too rock, you could have uh, an actual tra charge person on on set. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's when you can get the rock involved as well. Is it's in the sky? Oh, the rock and solid rock trust. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. It just writes itself, doesn't it? it I'm really pretty does. sure people like that have like a million dollar walk on fee. <sighs> So I mean, yeah. If you see you guys some need of the to hook me, you guys in? need to hook me up with some uh, some some angel investors before I can afford something like that. <laughs> you just gotta figure out uh, whether he's like more. Why have you got the wrong John. podcast? <laughs> <laughs> you find out whether he's more expensive or uh, or John Cena. 
that's how you have to do it. It'd be like, you have to juggle those two and be like, oh, one of these guys has to start like star the, the sequel to this as yeah. like, uh, you know, he's, he's a, he's a, like a NSA guy or something that's listened to the entirety of those phone calls and realizes that she got away. And then he's like, he, he has to track I, I see, her down. Forrest, you should get, be writing for Fast and Furious. <laughs> <laughs> I see you get Dave. I think you get Dave Batista and have him yeah. go real gentle, like he did in uh, the Shyamalan movie that came out. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, knock at the cabin, <laughs> which was the Blade Runner one where he was all quiet. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's fine. That's that's a that's a mixed bag for me. But uh, you know, it's 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 interesting when you think about this genre of film, like that the high genre, the crime genre, et cetera. Like, were, were there any tropes that you were like, okay, we got to not do this. We we can't oh. include this piece of it. Dude, no. There's no trope that you cannot include. The only <laughs> thing you can do to make sure it's not boring is you got to take a trope and you got to do something new with it. As long as it's right. not just a, like, oh, we've seen that. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen that, but we haven't seen it like this. Then it's not like this you haven't. Yeah, yeah. I'm putting together a team remotely. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> these are all these are all uh work from home criminals. It's like uh, That's oh, actually like, how this show got put together. Or... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Work from home criminals. That's it. I feel personally attacked. Yeah. Uh, I can't get these criminals to come back to the office. I don't. Nobody, nobody wants crime want, anymore. Nobody wants to steal anymore. Yeah. There it is. There it is. I mean, I do, but. <laughs> if you see someone stealing, no, you didn't. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, did he. Was he. In, if any process for this, for, I don't think that works for bank heists. I don't think most people, if you see somebody stealing, no, you didn't. I think that works in like stores, but I don't think, I don't know if it works in bank heists. Have you ever tried? <laughs> <laughs> you have a gun pointed at everybody, like, if you see someone stealing, no, you didn't. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah whatever you whatever say. Whatever you say, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, fine. Uh, what was the editing process for, like for this, Rick? Uh, I've cut four five six something features at indie features and a ton of shorts it was just it was the same the only difference was usually i'm cursing the director because i'm like dude how did you <laughs> what do you expect me to get from this scene to this scene like you have no transition how am i ever going to do this how could you miss that or what are you doing with this camera angle that makes no sense you know that kind of stuff and then, and then and, you're like this one i was doing uh, still the same yourself. myself yeah i sat down like first edit i tried to make in fact you even had it in your little clip there forrest i'm not gonna tell you which one it was but i was like went down this okay i gotta get it from over here to oh no i just transported her across the room how am i supposed to get her right? yeah you gotta, you gotta <laughs> what was that director out. thinking it's yeah. so easy <laughs> to sit in the at the computer and like it seems very obvious what should have been done but man on the day it's just millions and millions of decisions and it's hard to keep up with it all but i mean it's sleep deprivation too right at some point like you're just like man if i was in my if i was shooting this like in my right state of mind if we weren't shooting like all these days in a row like i would have yeah you know, well that's I why you do so much work in preparation to try to like foresee all yeah. that stuff and they never do and okay, fix it decisions. in pre not fix, fix it, it in post. pre Thank Try you. to make as many of the decisions ahead of time so you have less decisions to make, you know, in the moment. Absolutely. But yeah, editing was like, I don't know, it was like normal. I just cut, just get through it one day at a time. One I appreciated at a time. that it, it's, you know, just north of 90. 
Like that's that's perfect perfect like length for for this. Like yeah, I feel like the new fall is everything is two hours, and it's like uh, no, it really shouldn't be. I think the script was like a hundred and two <laughs> pages or something, and I knew it would be faster because so much of it is just like fast dialogue, fast dialogue. Sorkin's Sorkin scripts are always like, <laughs> twice as long, right? Because his dialogue is so strange. Oh, God. Yeah. Sorkin's a but Sorkin. I, so I expected it to be a little shorter uh, than the than the script. But yeah, we were like right there. It's I wanted you to get in and out. It's like a real-time movie, right? Yeah. So well, I want you to feel uh, like you've made a whole journey. Like you've come a long ways, even though you've basically watched this person for 90 minutes straight. Without being the same thing, it reminded me of stuff like uh, what's a time code? I think uh, in the two thousands and uh, twenty four before it just got just even more ridiculous than it already was to begin with, which was pretty right. ridiculous. But the idea of like there's this feels like okay, like the time's running You're out here for no matter what's minute. happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And it makes you really think about it. And it, it there's and always three kind of things happening, and you can only focus on one of them, even though they're yes. all the priority. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So normally well, you guys we run out of questions. Well, normally mm -hmm. we have a bit that we throw to, but we're I, but, but we are not doing that tonight. So uh, we we we're gonna I don't know what we're gonna do here. <laughs> I have no idea. We're gonna chill. I'm, we're gonna I'm in a retirement community. Sorry. <laughs> I'm running this off my phone, even though I pay for the Wi-Fi. Yeah, we, we we have a bit that like segues us, but we didn't we didn't get around to it tonight. Yeah, well, I think what we're gonna do is, is spend so much time putting a whole film class together to intro the show. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. He burned it all yeah. in the intro. It's... You should be getting paid to do that kind of stuff, man. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> right? You should run a mass one of those master classes. <laughs> I think people come on that are in podcast film? intros. And and the, and and in podcasts and stuff, and they're like, "Oh, it's real impressive." And it's like, "Hire this man." Yeah, <laughs> I, always, I always go so much harder when it's someone that's like working in the industry rather than like, yeah. uh, you know what I mean? Like, because we have uh, we have Matthew Film Guy come on a lot, and he um, which now like now that he's been on a lot, like I do it less, I go yeah, less yeah. hard. But like right. he edited uh Black Bear, and like he he has like a bunch yeah. of films that he's been doing, and I'm like, I gotta I gotta do something cool enough that it's like. You know, Matthew Film Guy's here. Like, I got to do something that's like, he's, he'll he'll pick apart my edit if I don't, you know, get it, get it just right. Yeah, like, nothing pleases I mean, that He'll man. pick apart it anyways, but, you know, that's just. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Every time he comes on, he picks the most, like, non-mainstream, most absurd movie I've never heard in my life. And I'm like, okay, we're doing it. We're watching it, I guess. We're doing it. <laughs> well, Gilman, I, went, huh? I went with him. I went, I went and met up with him. Um in you know in queens at like the museum of the moving image we watched john delmon the three and a half hour long uh movie with like the the housewife that slowly goes yep. fucking more insane. and more like yeah. you know insane and so we sat there and then at one point i left to go to the bathroom and came back and he like bitched about it on stream he's like yeah but you weren't even there for this part. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like you. yeah but i watched it again i made sure to like i went uh, back I yeah, watched another three and a half hours. <laughs> Isn't there an app that will that you can get on or like a website that tells you when you're supposed to go to the bathroom? Oh, it's called like yeah, it's called like pbreak.com or something along those lines. But yeah, it'll tell you <laughs> when the best time to like take a bathroom break in a movie is. It's great. Have you God, bless those, God bless those people. Yeah. Sitting there trying to figure I out. I had for this all of us with me when I, when I saw Oppenheimer and I did not pee once. 
Wow, wow way to go. Ladder control. That's amazing. Oppenheimer, speaking of... Uh, I know whether to be proud or report you to your doctor. Speaking of foreigners <laughs> doing American accents, is there any Americans in that fully American movie? I know, right? Yeah, it's like so many... Matt Damon? Matt Damon. Yeah. There you go. And he didn't I, uh, even do a Boston accent, right? Mm. <laughs> no, I don't think I, so. I, I respect the fact that they got uh, Kenneth Branagh in that in that movie, right? Like they got. Music. They got him, well, they got him to play a, a German, like the German guy. Like they got him yeah. to play the German scientist. And they're like, just try to do like a German, do like a half, half fucking like uh You're classically like, trained. You can do any accent like, you need to. Yeah. Well, I mean, every English person could do a German accent because that's what you learned. Uh, first thing is, uh, you know, to make fun of the Germans. That's just, yeah, well, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's why we got that TV show about my neighbor, Hitler. Pissenheimer. Wow. Pissenheimer. Okay. <laughs> Stevie, coming there. through tonight with the good ones. Well, I'm that still reminded of the fact, by the way. I'm still reminded of the fact that Killian Murphy's like, let me listen yeah. to Mr. Rogers, and I'll get that. That's how I'll do the Oppenheimer voice. Wait, he did? I yes. This. Yes. Nice. I'm sure it came up whenever I was in a blackout. I was like, I'll, uh, won't you be my neighbor? I'm like, it did a better job than Tom Hanks did it. That's true. That's true. You know, I just... Didn't like Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers. I didn't like Tom Hanks as uh, Colonel Tom Parker either. I just generally speaking. Yeah, same. You yeah. got to get your snow Not job. This <laughs> <laughs> Colonel Tom Parker, I could like they, they kept on emphasizing the term snow job, and I was like, "Come on, man, don't don't do this to me." He's what? He's like he's like just... he's like he's like I I had to give Elvis a snow job, and I was like, "Come on, man, don't don't." So, did you that. run this by a young person? Probably not. That's <laughs> it. Also, too, when when Mark when, when the cast of Barbie was doing like promo, people were like, "I don't want to hear Margot Robbie's Australian accent. I wanted to hear her in an American accent." And I'm like, what? "I did not Momo, know did she do promos with her. She can talk whatever accent? accent she wants, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yes, because she can do better accent work than any of you idiots can. I'm just saying. So don't bitch about her Australian accent. I didn't know until the Big Short that she was Australian because I saw Wolf of Wall Street first. And uh-huh. I just assumed like that was, she was her like accent. Brooklyn, and then, and then she like and then she brought she brought her regular accent to the fucking um, explanations in the Big Short when they have when they cut to her in the fucking bathtub. Weird cut, by the way. I, I don't know. They're like, here's Margot Robbie in a bathtub, and it's like to explain. I mean, like, yes, I'm paying attention, and now I know the plot. But like, <laughs> it was a bold maneuver, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it really comes hey, to the first time you saw them. That's what. That's where you think they're from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what's funny? My uncle thinks Margaret Robbie is a lot like Sharon Stone. Like she's good for her looks, and like she did like Wolf of Wall Street, Big Short, and that's it. He's like, I just can't see her being a serious actress. And I'm like, what? Really? Yes. I'm like, uncle, you're you, no. Okay. I mean, I I will defend Sharon Stone. Uh, you know, I think she she's uh, got more. She's more than just her looks. She's more than yeah. just you know. I, I mean, her legs and. You know, yeah, no, there's nuance to a lot of her performances, but but like, like, like Sharon Stone's not on the same level as Margot Robbie. Yeah. Quick, I, then, I, I believe. Gave, uh, I believe that she gave Joe Pesci head in that trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Quick in the dead oh. now in the Criterion Collection, by the way. That's what oh, about time. Great yeah. news. Yeah, people great. don't people don't get how hard an actor's job is sometimes when you're just watching on the screen, like, Oh yeah, yeah I can just read those lines back. But man, you don't know what it's like when you've got, you got to be up on my movie, 15 people, but on a big movie, 200 people standing yeah. around now watching you make sure you don't mess up. 
Go. Cry. Now cry right now. Now cry yeah. right now. Exactly. There, there. The great Joan Crawford would be like, which eye do you want me to cry from? Which <laughs> right, I'll exactly. do it. Yeah. And I'm like, exactly. that's, well, that's why they always, they always have, they have that bit in like a lot of movies, but like uh, how impressive it is that like there's some actresses that can literally cry on demand. Like, yeah, they yeah. have yeah, that. I mean, that was like, a Babylon, uh, actually. With yeah, Margot that was yeah. Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was on a movie. I was on. A, oh, you guys did Independence Day recently, right? We'd on Independence yeah, Day. To that yes. episode. Excellent <laughs> oh, nice. episode. Way to go. Huge fan of Independence Day. Yeah. Uh, I was on I worked on the second one. We were there. I don't know if you saw the second one. Not no. Great. I did, okay. yes. Not great. <laughs> of course, but Andy would. <laughs> we were there at the at the last scene. There's like big, you know, battle going on. All these guys on the salt flats. It was a blue screen set or whatever, but still you got like 50 people all there, and they picked this one extra, be like, Hey, you're getting a bump today because we're giving you a line. When we point at you, you gotta say whatever the line was give them hell or whatever it is yeah it was more words than that i remember it being like 10 words maybe and uh i was like oh that's cool dude i wish someone would do that for me i could say a line and get paid 300 dollars for the day yeah <laughs> and they pointed they were like okay here we go roll it action everyone's running point to him do the word do the line and i realized in that moment like i would be blank <laughs> right just total yeah. joke what yeah. line what line like, and then uh... you're fired it's yeah, like it's yeah, like you exactly. rehearsing that one line all day long. It's your it's your turn, and you're like. And now think about what lead actors do, where they yeah. just have pages and pages yeah. and pages, like especially. And all you got all you got to remember is to the trees or whatever. Yeah, it's <laughs> like it's like reading the Oppenheimer script, knowing that it's in first person. And you're so like, hard. what? Just <laughs> being able to memorize all those lines and say it on command. Dude, you're a good actor to me. <laughs> Especially when directors are like, you gotta be like a one or two take. We can't, we you know, we, we're on a schedule here. We can't be, you know, we can't be goofing off. We can't be doing like 50 takes, you know, we're not, you know. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, I mean, cool. honestly, Jersey Boys could have benefited from more than one or two takes because Clint Eastwood just not fond of his directing style. Hmm. I mean, that is his acting style. Right. Right? He just gets up and goes. And yes. he'll just do one take. Okay, we got it. Moving on. Uh, and then that's just the that's just acting with dialogue. But think about all the physical actors. Like you got to learn how to kick and punch and stuff. At least yeah, people it. who do their own stunts, like Margot Robbie's notorious for doing her own stunts. And I'm like, why? <laughs> it's got to be so hard. You just got to learn to do all these different things. Yeah, I mean, I did I did a uh, theater, and uh, you know, um, my uh, th there was the time where I got shot on stage, and and um, uh, my. <laughs> My uh, my roommate was in the scene and he got thrown from uh, like a high point and fell like twenty feet every single night. It was ridiculous. Wow. <laughs> well, I know one well, person that yeah. does everything in one take, and that's J. Andrew, not offensive accent world. <laughs> yeah. With okay. the plugs, which is sure, what we're sure, yeah. Yes, we got the plugs right now. Um, you're watching us on YouTube, so please do those YouTube things. Like, comment, subscribe, hit that bell. And of course, the big ask uh, that, that we always uh, ask for you to do is to watch the video to the end because you get the advantage of hearing that great Kona Neutron song. But we get and the there's going to be, and this is the last one with this Kona Neutron song before our next right. Kona Neutron song. Movie Night Automata, which is going to be uh, yeah. starting next week Start with Blade Runner. We're doing Blade Runner next. Yes. So you're, so you're between uh, Blade Runner and Buffalo 66, Rick. That Perfect. <laughs> Couldn't imagine a better place to be. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, but the, the big thing that, that actually does help us out because that uh, lets, uh, lets other movie fans find us in the algorithm. So um, please sit back and relax when we're done. Enjoy that song and, and, and watch it to the video to the end. 
Um, if you're over on Twitch, do the Twitch things. Uh, throw us a sub. If you happen to have an Amazon Prime account, you can subscribe to us. It doesn't cost you a thing and actually helps us out a great deal. So thank everybody who's doing all that stuff. Um, find us on social media. You can find us on Twitter uh, or X, whatever it's called now. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Blue Sky. And I think, uh, wait, what's that other one? Threads. Right? We're on Threads. Threads, oh, man, baby. You guys are making me feel old. I never heard of these things. Uh, they all suck. Don't do them. Yeah. <laughs> social media was Red. a mistake. Threads, not even once. Yeah. Um, but I yeah. like Blue Sky, but like everybody seems to like not be doing Blue Sky anymore, apparently, because I'm there. I don't know. No, um, it's because people are bringing the porn bots on there now. Do you have any no. weird follows I've gotten in the last week? I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, who the hell are giving these codes out now? To porn yeah, bots, apparently. I don't know. I had no idea. Or they figured out how to hack them, you know? Yeah. Anyway, we're on that too. <laughs> 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 Real enticing. Yeah, go get it. Between. <laughs> <laughs> between the porn bots i guess i don't know well i mean you know like i like i always say you know pick your pick your poison for uh for whatever social media you prefer and find us there um, we're over there poisoning ourselves on all of them <laughs> yes yeah. um but if you don't want to get poisoned go over to patreon and support us over there um i don't know try to open the transitions here okay <laughs> on the fly yeah it's pretty good yeah um transition to getting poisoned <laughs> I was gassing you up about a one take Johnny, and you're not uh, not really delivering, but that's okay. No, I mean I was they ready to go one for take it. Y'all jumped in. <laughs> one but, take. Uh, yeah, go. What? What? I'm reading here. We call him one take Andy. He always gets it in one. But if you head over there onto uh, Patreon, uh, Patreon is a uh, way to support this podcast and. Uh, uh, you get to uh, be able to access our after parties, which are basically an extra show we do for our fans, um, which I don't know if we're doing one this week because it's a little late, but we better be doing an after party. OK, oh. right, well, there you go. Yeah, so I mean, if you're, if you're down for it, I'm down too. <laughs> we uh, we yeah. had we had we had questions we wanted to ask you about the MCU, I think. So, yeah, I'm yes. all for that. <laughs> I I I have talked I've talked my wife to death the MCU and I need someone else to listen to me about. I'm it, your so. gal. <laughs> yes. Um. And, and of course we got Conan over here who uh just put out that great album which I was listening to earlier this week. Um. You know uh, the lung side still gets me like how good it is. I, I'm just blown away by them. Oh yeah, well on our side that's pretty good too. It is. It is. I, I actually um uh convinced my wife to listen to it because she she hates all the music I listen to. Um yeah. really but, uh, I'm just like I'm just like you gotta listen to Wild Wild Antics because because I, I think you'd actually like that one. And she's like, she's like, I don't know, I, I usually hate the stuff you're like, okay, let me put it to you this way. This will be your favorite code of neutron song. And she's like, okay, mm. okay. That was a sales pitch, huh? Okay. That was a sales pitch. Mm. This and, is gonna be this is gonna be your favorite Kona Neutron song. <laughs> But yeah, uh, anyway. you know, so yeah, you can go over to Neutron Friends on Bandcamp.com and uh, support Conan there. Get that or get the entire catalog. You can do that all digitally and it's a, it's a good price. I don't yeah. know what it is off the top of my head. I need to write down on my notes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it is either, but it's a damn good deal, whatever it is. And, and, and bonus, course, I get money from it. <laughs> and of course, if you've been staring at Conan Neutron, you've been seeing the, the Protonic Reversal logo right behind him. Protonic Reversal is his music uh, long form interview show, which is fantastic. Um, who you got coming up this week? 
Uh, Steve you? Hodges from MSSV. He's uh, played with Tom Waits. Uh, did stuff with David Lynch in um, a bunch of different things. Really interesting uh, drummer guy. Really mm. awesome dude. Oh yeah, he was the guy who kind of did um uh what was it fishbone trombone? <laughs> fishbone <laughs> trombone? Is that what you said? It's swordfish trombone. Fishbone is a ska band. <laughs> right. They also have a trombone. But now I want they, they probably do. I, I now I want to hear what that mashup sounds like. Fishbone's actually pretty rad. Uh fishbone trombone, amazing. <laughs> One take Andy, everybody. Make a wish. But <laughs> you didn't have to name the record, but you you went for it, and that's I weird. went for it and failed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I like I like his stuff because it sounds like a dying machine. It's great. So um, everybody, go <laughs> check that out on Thursday. And at MSSV, can... I just realized people people don't know this. Mike Watt plays in MSSV. That's the big thing. Mike Watt from the Men of Men um, and Steve Hodges and this guy Mike Vegeta. They're they're really great. For the five and, people uh, that care. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to support Code of Neutron, you can go over to Patreon as well uh, and, and uh, give him a dollar a month and you can get access to these episodes early. That's right. Once again, give me money. Thank you. Yes. And Christina, you're, you're over there on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Streaming this now on my channel. Oh, Fantastic. Fantastic. But yep. um, that part as well. Thanks, Stevie. Appreciate you. <laughs> Did you have anything planned out this week or uh, just another? Well, one of my favorite YouTubers discovered a very, very uncomfortable show called uh, Stairway to Stardom. And it was filmed in some dude's basement. He liked kissing nine-year-old girls. It was weird. It was like 1970s through the 90s. It was like a public access show. Filmed it, it's, it's weird. And the kids have no talent. Listen, kid. Watch and the kids here's, are here's the pitch. Here's the pitch. It's a stairway, right? At the top of it, you get to be a star. And his wife's creepy, too. And there's a wife. And she's creepy. It's great. Also, we're going to come to George Santos thing because let my man do what he wants to do. He did nothing wrong, okay? <laughs> let your gay um, characters be, you know, interesting and diverse and, and unique and not like the rest. Yeah, still money my, from those dogs. He's my uh, he's my grandma's congressman. Yeah, he's, he's the Barry Lyndon of Congress, and I stand by my assessment. Thank yes. you. <laughs> and, and of course, you can also support Christina over on Patreon as well. Uh, Patreon.com slash Cosmopolitics. Mm -hmm. Also, I'll be oh, come on seriously, camera. Don't do this to me right now. Uh, I'm also gonna be doing more cosplaying uh, streams too because I got me some Harley stuff. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Agatha show because then I could get a different Agatha cosplay that's not from WandaVision that's sweaty and layered and heavy and ugh. I got my Agatha shirt on today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah look at you. <laughs> hey. Man, nice. I should have cosplayed as Agatha for you. By the way, sweaty, layered, and heavy is me live, and I'm not even kidding. I was thinking about it. <laughs> All these lights are killing me. The music is heavy, my attire is layered, and I'm very sweaty. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you're playing sparkly jackets. It's true. I add layers. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Looks good. That's why. And of course, you can go check out the Rick's Movie Solid Rock Trust on Tubi and YouTube, and probably a few other places as well. But I know they're streaming for free there. Please um, do. Anything? That would be amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been telling everybody uh, to to check out this movie. Um, is it's is on there Amazon any time too? I think. Yeah, where you can actually give him money. I think it's a rental still on Amazon Prime. I don't think it's streaming for free there yet. Yeah, but yeah, but, but yeah, a couple give, places. Give him, 
some money. It's not like, you know, he's got he's got most of it goes to Bezos, but, you know, he'll get a little. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Tubi's kind of uh, killing it with how much content that they've kind of got on there for free. If you ads. are a horror slasher, like very, very like gory, like, oh, my God, you will love Tubi. Yeah, I accidentally found uh, a friend of show Gabriel Horn's movie, um, uh, Trapdoor at the Edge of the Universe on Tubi, uh, which is, mm -hmm. uh, if you haven't seen it, it's it's a blast. Well, Solid um, Rock Trust on there. Buffalo sixty six was on there, so I got to I got to watch that uh, for free when we did our episode. Like they've they've actually come in clutch. And then there's the other one. Um, there's the there's another one that's a lot like Tubi that does like a similar thing. I forget. Uh, what what the name of that one is but it's like um between the two of them you can actually get like a lot of a lot of stuff now there's like freebie and there's one other one i, I can't remember off the top of my head yeah i watched they i think i watched miracle mile i think was on that i watched i watched that recently i was like oh miracle miles on there cool anyway i oh. guess we're brought to you by tubi because we certainly are giving them gas up yeah, if you want to watch the sound film version of Family Opera Star and Lon Chaney we watched that in my discord during Halloween it was weird because there's no music whatsoever so we're like yeah, we're reading, we're reading the you know the cards and whatever the lines, and we're just talking over each other. <laughs> mm. Well, you could have you should have had a live band for that episode. I know I should have got like the piano music playing like on my Spotify or something like that. Be like, here we go. Like the olden days. Yeah. <laughs> it's all zither. Weirdly, yeah. <laughs> Third man. Yeah, I mean, cool. I'll. I'll uh... <laughs> I'll 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 give it props when I watched um when I was doing the uh thing for this they had a version of uh the great train robbery with the music and it was uh 1080p like it was like mm. pretty flawless uh whatever and I mean that movie's only like 13 minutes so I guess doing the music doesn't take that much but still I mean you know kind of cool they had it I'll yeah, do yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm around but, uh, yeah we have we have the after party link uh. Rick, do you want to say anything uh, as like final uh, thoughts? About real quick, follow the Movie Night Extravaganza uh, HQ site at Movie Night Extra uh, on Letterbox since we did didn't do Letterbox while well, that this time. So just please Word. please follow that account because you may think you follow it, you may not. But anyway, we're all you on. You just might also. be following the host instead. Uh, yes, correct. Which you should, but you can also follow the show as well. That's it. Sorry, <laughs> I, I, we we went out of order on this. So everyone's all uh, everything's all akimbo. But yeah, final yeah. thoughts. Oh, yeah. thank you so much for having me, guys. This was great. I love all your little. Uh, I don't know what do you call the little white bubbles that you guys have in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's our characters. <laughs> That's great. Thanks for having me on. You guys crack me up. You're hilarious. Uh, keep up the great work. And uh, yeah, for all your fans who are listening, still go check out my movie. And if you could leave right. me a review somewhere, IMDb. Ron Tomatoes. We're like 100% on Ron Tomatoes if we haven't sold it for you already or spoiled it wow. too much. Wow. Mm -hmm. Check it out. Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's, that's, <laughs> we'll definitely make sure we link in the show notes so people can check it out wherever. Yeah, wherever I think I think it is. Uh, I think I, I'm pretty sure it is. Um, Christina? I saw this film multiple times during the break. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I did. Because yeah. I was like, oh, like female-led heist movie? Let's do it. Yeah. But yeah, I thought everything was like phenomenal, like from the cinematography, the editing, the pacing, because I'm like, when it comes to heist films, they got to keep me on edge. So that was one of the things that I loved about this movie. Um, I look forward to actually seeing whatever you're coming up with next, Rick. So uh, yeah, check this film out, guys. You can, As they said, you can find it on Tubi and on YouTube and I mean, renting on Amazon Prime, but it's on Tubi. 
All right. Uh, Conan? Yeah. Uh, I. This is what I'm talking about. You know, this is a, a very uh, <clears throat> rock-solid crime thriller that consists <laughs> of one actress in the theater of the mind. Uh, it's very engrossing. The plot twists are earned, and you did not have all of them spoiled even by listening to this. Uh, very clever thriller, and... It satisfies, right, with with a single location, a lot of inventive storytelling. I do not know the exact budget, but I can certainly tell you that I've seen movies with 10 times more money that didn't compel at all. So that says a lot. Marvel movie? <laughs> These days? Uh, I think that uh, it, it was such a pleasant surprise. It's kind of a discovery that I wish I saw more of with uh, all these sort of wide-ranging you know, filmmaking opportunities. And it's honestly great to be able to go over it with you, Rick. Oh, thank you. Thank you guys both. You're too kind. All right. Uh, Andy? You know, uh, one of my favorite writers is Elmer Leonard. And before he passed away, he wrote a book about like how to write. And uh, his rules for writing is always like, don't do this unless you're so-and-so. Like, like, don't write about weather unless you're this guy who could really write weather. Uh, that, that kind of stuff. And if he was to write one about screenwriting, uh, you know, he would probably say something like, you know, don't uh, show, don't tell unless you're uh, Rick Ives. And you're doing solid <laughs> ah, very nice. There we Definitely go. broke a lot of filmmaking rules of show don't tell. Yeah, and, and that you know, uh, not every movie should be able to get away with that. But I am so glad that you you know you found the uh, you found a way to, to to take the rule, break it, and and make something uh, you know just absolutely terrific. Oh, thank you, All thank right. you. Um, so we're gonna do after party. I have the link in the private chat um yeah i just i just threw the uh, link for uh, all the viewers too so if you want to hang out remember you can watch it live but you got to be a patron if you want to uh see it like not live. yeah so. you only get, you only get this one <laughs> get, yeah if you're, if you're watching us later one, you gotta pay us money um no it's a running so, theme uh, on all of our plugs anyway <laughs> give us money well, at some point i need money like at some point i'd like to make at some money point, it would be nice yeah. <laughs> be nice be able to see a movie all right <laughs> thank well, you to uh, our current patrons we appreciate yeah, you. We to pay for the movies we watch like jesus like <laughs> all right we'll see you over there thanks